Hello and welcome to Inspire Me Today Radio. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. With the stress of today's busy world, I think many of us wish we could be more in touch with our inner selves and that we had more time to focus on our own personal spiritual journeys. We can come up with a litany of reasons of why that doesn't happen. Today's luminary is a business consultant and a spiritual mentor who does his own personal work for several hours each and every day. He's passionate not only about helping businesses grow, but he also loves having meaningful conversations about the nature of reality and the development of consciousness. His name is Paul Hoyt, and he's here today to talk about a few of the lessons he's learned so far. Paul, I'm very honored to welcome you today. Thank you for joining us at InspireMeTodayRadio.com. Thank you very much. I'm I'm eager to have a conversation. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to talk to you and your audience. Well, we're delighted to have you here. You know, I've got to tell you, when I read what you wrote, what we call your Today's Brilliance, I loved what you said about a thousand lessons, a thousand teachers, a thousand ways. And I want to get into that. But before we jump right into it, the one thing I really want to find out, tell us a little bit, if you would, Paul, about your story and basically how did you get to be who you are? Well, that's a great question. You know, my story on a personal growth standpoint, started a long time ago, I think, when my chil- when my parents began to take us children to the church of their choosing, way back in Wichita, Kansas, in the 1950s. Um, the churches back then, at least uh, around the Bible Belt of Kansas and Oklahoma and, you know, I think the southern part of the United States, were very, um, were very fundamentalistic. And they took a very literal approach to biblical teachings and were very, I think, from my perspective today, very draconian in their understanding hmm. of, of right and wrong. Right. They, they preached love from the pulpit, but they practiced condemnation. And they practiced trying to scare the crap out of little children so that they would toe the line, and they practiced the fear of God. And that... That fear really touched me. I'm quite a, a sensitive person. I'm really on the inside, mm-hmm. you know, very, very much a poet and, and a philosopher and quite a sensitive fellow. So that just frankly scared the crap out of me um, and troubled me for a long, long time. And then at the age of 14, I decided, you know, I'm strong enough, I'm old enough that I'm not going to take this anymore, this kind of abusive approach um, to to religion and to spiritual growth, and I began my own journey. And the reason I began my own journey was, frankly, because I was hurting, because I was frightened, because I was angry, because I really had a strong need to try to figure this all out with a deep fear that if I didn't figure it out in some way, that, you know, God would punish me and condemn me to, you know, eternal hellfire and damnation. And that right. was very, it was a heck of a message to get as a, as a young child. And um, so I began my journey. First, it was a journey of power, and then several years into the journey, I discovered meditation, and I discovered how beautiful it felt to be peaceful, and how wonderful it felt to be joyful, and how, you know, how precious things like relationships were, and to love other people, and eventually learn to love myself. So once I once I tasted of the beauty of what I call the spirit, once I tasted of higher consciousness just a little bit, you know, my, my life's course was set. It's like, it's like you know, once, once you've 
how are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've seen Paris? Exactly. Well, how are you going to keep, how are you going to keep people in a in an organization or a community that's abusive and angry? You know, once they've tasted of the beauty of unconditional love or the beauty of peace of mind or joyfulness. So I've been working for literally 45 years, more than 45 years, on on just becoming a little wiser and a little kinder and a little more loving and a little more peaceful every single day through a variety of different practices. And the benefits of doing that, which I call the practice of awakening, and that's the titles of, of a couple of books that I've written, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the, the beauty of the practice of awakening is after a while of practicing becoming that person and connecting with that energy and living in that space that you come to live there, I have come to live there almost all the time. And that is an incredibly marvelous, wonderful way to experience life. Excellent. Talk to us a little bit about the thousand lessons, thousand teachers, thousand ways. It's been one of my recent revelations is that in my life that that really describes my journey. So the first part of that is a thousand lessons. I believe that there are thousands, a thousand lessons that we can learn in this lifetime. And every time we learn one of those lessons, it helps us be a little more peaceful, a little more joyful, a little more loving. Some of those lessons are like the lesson of gratitude, learning to look out at the world with a grateful heart. The lesson of humility, you know, being open to the greatness in others and being open to being guided by spirit. The lessons of decisiveness and making a choice and being focused helps us leverage power and accomplish things and get things done. The lesson of sitting in the silence, oh my goodness, that's such an incredible lesson of, of really being able to learn the lessons that you can only learn when you are in the silence is itself a tremendous lesson. Well, there are dozens of these. I think there's thousands of these lessons. Um, and it's been my, my great good fortune to learn, I think, maybe a couple of hundred of them over the last 45 years or so. I know that I've got a long ways to go. And I know that I'm still learning day by day by day, but I'm grateful for the lessons that I have learned, and I am eager and optimistic to learn additional lessons going forward. You know, I, one, one of the things that I really found endearing, one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk to you, is not only in your Today's Brilliance when you wrote about the Thousand Lessons, you also talked about the Thousand Teachers. And you touched on, you were like tugging on my heartstrings when you were saying, we can learn from a tree or a dog, or it doesn't have to be some guru sitting up on a mountain or some minister behind a pulpit. We have teachers each and every day all around us. And you and I share a similar background, Paul, in that when you were describing going to church, I was forced to go to church because I kept saying to my parents as a young child, they scare me. I want to go out into the woods. I can walk through the woods and connect to God in a way that I cannot do in that church. And so maybe it was just, you know, wrong church, wrong place, wrong time, whatever. I don't know. But it helped make me the same thing. Take that inner path and find that spiritual side of me that connects with something greater than me. But I loved when you were talking about your thousand teachers and the fact that a teacher can be almost anything. 
So talk to us a little bit about that and also the thousand ways. I will, and thank you, thank you for that offer, and and I really appreciate what you're, what you said about you know that, that being something that was very uncomfortable. As a result of of my early church experience, I came to a point of tremendous mistrust for authority, because I just flat didn't uh, didn't trust those people who were held up in a position of respect and held the titles that they had. So I decided early on that I wasn't going to trust any one person, but rather I was going to look for some sort of consensus across all kinds of teachers. I knew that I never wanted to just have one religion or one teacher of any kind, that I would look to every expert that I could find out there and see if I could find some commonality and gain some sort of a, a central theme from all of the different preachings and uh-huh. all of the different religions and spiritual paths. The first one I discovered, by the way, was, was the principle of love. It occurred to me that after studying Buddhism and Christianity and, and Judaism and the other early teachings that I was studying in my late teens and early 20s, that it one day it just you know became one of the lessons is that hey we're they're all talking about love that seems to be something they can all agree upon exactly so that become that became one of my principles and since that time I've continued on that course of reading lots and lots of masters and being open to the lessons that the that the formal teachers and the informal teachers could bring and then of course I was blessed to have children in my life and 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 the children, as they grew, were teaching me lessons about myself, and I'm looking at them saying, oh, my God, I was just like that. I was just I was this person 25, 28, 30 years ago, and oh, my goodness, what lessons my children taught me about myself and about life. And then it was, you know, having a dog and having the, the honest and open love and, and acceptance that comes from those precious creatures. Yes. And... And then the lessons started coming, you know, from everywhere. And the lessons come from the wind and the trees and the sound of water rushing over a waterfall. And, you know, sometimes it's just listening to your own heartbeat. And when, when I sit in the silence, the lessons seem to come from every sound and every experience that I have. Yes, they it's do. It's marvelous. To me, it's and a matter of, the, yeah, to me, it's a matter of paying attention. Because they're there, yeah. they're around us all the time, and it's it's getting quiet enough to hear them. Yes, that that's that's exactly true. You know, you're and, you're you're in good company, Paul. I interviewed <laughs> one of my favorite luminaries is Father Miles O'Brien Riley, and Father Miles uh-huh. actually worked in the Vatican for four years. And one of the things that both, um, let me get this straight, Pope John Paul and Mother Teresa each took four hours a day for silent contemplation and prayer. And yet they got more done and more accomplished in their lifetimes than most of us could ever dream of doing. And I find it interesting that most people say, oh, I don't have time to meditate, meditate, or I don't have time to, to take time for myself or be peaceful or pray or whatever. I mean, you haven't seen my life. I'm crazy busy. And they go on with this litany of busyness versus that those that have said, yes, I'm busy, but I'm going to make this a priority. And by making this a priority, it seems that everything else lines up in perfection. Do you find that to be true? I do. And I have two formal times during the day where I 
very consciously and intentionally practice a, a formal kind of meditation, and that's when I first gain consciousness in the morning and when I go to sleep at night. So when I first gain consciousness in the morning, my thoughts immediately turn to self-awareness and self-assessment and finding a path to walk back to spirit. And it's been my blessing to find hundreds of those paths. And when I find a path that's very, you know, that is very meaningful to me and very effective to me, I write it down. And then when I've written down a bunch of them, I turn them into the book, and hence the books that I've written on the practice Mm -hmm. of awakening are are a collection of those paths. Every single one of them meaningful to me. Well, there's a you know there's a lesson in in each one of those, and the lesson to me is that there are a thousand ways to get back to spirit, which is the third part you know of my primary focus and primary message. There's the thousand lessons, the thousand teachers. And the third part is a thousand ways. I guess it, I don't know whether I'm just flighty or ADHD or unfocused <laughs> or, or highly creative or, or whatever, or whatever <laughs> but I've found hundreds and thousands of ways. I know that there are thousands of ways because I found hundreds of them myself. Exactly. You know, and they come from poems and they come from insights and they come from you know, little songs that I've that I've that I've written, and I sing to myself constantly throughout the day, um, and so constantly then throughout the day. In addition to the two formal times, I I make a point to wake back up and to step back into a place of self awareness and self assessment, and to walk a little path back to that state of being, that glorious state of being I call being in the spirit a dozen times a day. Some days it's only five or eight times, and sometimes it's a dozen times a day, and sometimes it feels like it's a hundred times a day that I awaken with every shift of attention and go back into living life the way that I love to, back into that glorious state of being, of, of being a conscious, aware, and awakened person. Excellent. Now, when you're in that state, Paul, does fear ever enter into your world? Yes, it does. In, but, but only in the littlest bit, and usually as an instruction. You know, when I sit in the silence, there's these little tiny buzzes that come through, just a little buzz of, you know, one thought that comes through in a fleeting moment, and as I watch that, I feel it just there's a little tiniest electrical charge that runs through my system, and I see that, and I become aware of it. And then I release it in some way, and it serves to be a reminder, a reminder of two things, a reminder of where I came from, of how I used to feel that fear a thousand times greater and all the time. And it's also a reminder of where I'm going to, so it becomes a reminder of the beauty of the spirit and the ability that I have to let go. So when I'm in that state, it's not, for me, it's, it's not a perfect place in the sense of being you know, completely healed or completely enlightened or completely awakened. Uh-huh. It's, it's one of those, you know, I'm 99% there or I'm 98% there or I'm 99.5% there. And then every once in a while, I get a little buzz or a little zing that re- 
reminds me of the journey. That's great. It's a really good way to put it. You know, one of the things that I was impressed with was the quote that you gave us. So I'd like to read it and then have you talk about that, if that's okay. So the quote that that you submitted to Inspire Me Today was, Remember, everyone is just trying to be happy and protect themselves, no matter how ill-chosen their words and actions may be. They're just trying to rescue themselves from their own fear and darkness. And I, you know, I got to tell you that many of the emails that we get from our community is, how do I deal with the fear? That's probably our biggest question that we are asked is, how do I deal with the fear? So can you give any tangible, you know, examples or things that people can do when they're starting to feel that, you know what I mean, the pit, the, the pit of the stomach fear? Yeah, I, I think the first step is always a sense of self-awareness and detachment, you know, an acknowledgement of it and a respect for it. To be honest with yourself to say, wow, I'm really getting upset about this or I'm getting angry over this or I'm getting, you know, this, this frightens me in some way. And there's lots of different variations on fear and a lot of different responses to fear. You know, the classic responses to fear are the fight or flight syndrome, and then there's the freeze. And I add to that the the fourth one, which I think is very helpful, which is the flip. So you can, when you see that fear coming up, you can ignore it and not acknowledge it, which I strongly recommend that you don't do. You can recognize in yourself, is this fear causing me anger, which means I'm going to fight? Is it causing me to freeze up where I'm just paralyzed? Or is it causing me to flee? Am I running away from it? But I would invite people to consider the flip. And the flip is that let me take this fearfulness as an opportunity to grow, as an opportunity to learn the lesson behind the fear, to learn something about my life's history that caused my subconscious condition to be such that I get tagged and triggered whenever this happens to me. Ah, we're back to another of those thousand lessons. Yes, another of those thousand lessons, (laughs) the the ability to flip that fear. But I think first comes the detachment. First comes the, okay, wait a minute, I'm I'm seeing this, and some sort of whatever works for you that allows you to feel a little bit safer. One of the things that allows me to feel a little bit safer is that, okay, this is, this is just one moment in time. It's not going to be forever. There's not likely to be some incredible you know, long-term damage from this experience. So I feel a little bit safer now. And now that I feel a little bit safer, I can let go of it with a breath or a movement or you know, some sort of, um, of a pathway that helps me get a little bit to spirit. And now let me examine that and let me flip that around and let me see the blessing in this fearfulness for the lessons that it has to offer. Oh, what an excellent way to turn it, to be able to, to take it for what it is, the blessing inside. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to do it. What well, You mentioned earlier, Paul, that you have steps and practices that you do each and every day, that you do the meditation upon waking and upon sleeping. Now, is this just, you know, sometimes, I guess what I'd love for you to do is tell us a little bit more about that. Is this a structured thing that you get out of bed and you walk to a certain spot, you sit in a certain pose, and you do a certain mantra for two or three hours? Or is this different than that and how? It's much different than that. Mine is usually just laying laying in bed in some position, but now I'm starting to be aware of my internal dialogue, and now I'm starting to think conscious thoughts. And now 
in most of these, it's every single morning checking in with myself. I have a four-part assessment that uh-huh. I use that works very well for me. So I check how am I doing physically, how, how, how am I doing mentally, which is normally are my thoughts positive or negative, and am I in control of my thoughts, and how am I doing from an emotional standpoint, how do I rate myself on some sort of a positivity scale? And fourth, how am I doing from a consciousness point of view? Am I very detached or just barely detached? I am, at, am I at this dawning of consciousness or am I slipping back and forth in between unconsciousness and consciousness and really becoming aware of where I am and what my state is right now? And sometimes I find myself to be several minutes away from returning to a, a state of peace of mind and, and love and you know, joyfulness, and sometimes I find myself to be just seconds away from that. And every once in a while I wake up and, you know, I'm 30 or 40 minutes away. So I need to, you know, go into a deeper kind of take relaxation. You, you take what you need based upon where you find yourself when you wake up. Sometimes you find yourself you know, a thousand feet be- be- be underneath <laughs> or below the peak of the mountain. Sure. And sometimes you find yourself just 10 feet away. I find myself just 10. And it's a very humbling, it's a humbling process. It takes a humble heart for me to give myself an accurate assessment of, because for the longest time, of course, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be in that state of being all the time, you know, and I had this sense of unworthiness that if I was still on my journey or if I was going up and down and in and out of consciousness that there was something wrong with me because I was so, so love that place. But gradually over time, one of the lessons that I learned is that self-acceptance and self-love, um, you know, happens no matter how far away from spirit that I am or no matter how close I am or especially when I am there. Excellent. And in the evening, is it the same thing but in reverse? Yeah. In the, well, in the evening, it's still a calming down and it's setting the intention to have a beautiful, deep healing rest. It's setting the intentions to be open to guidance and connection. It's setting the intention to return to spirit whenever I awaken, wherever that might be. And sometimes, by the way, it's when the alarm clock rings. Rarely is it that way. But most of the time, it's at 3.30 or 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the morning that I wake up and, and begin that journey back. So in the evening, it's setting the intention to do that. By the way, one of the most amazing things about this about this particular path and practice is when I wake up in the middle of the night and I look up and I see that it's 3.30 in, in, in the morning, I just go, oh, boy, great, it's 3.30. <laughs> I, get, I get to lie here for the next three hours and just find my way back to bliss and just stay in that place for the next wow. three hours. And it is a glorious glorious experience. I am not as enlightened as you are, because if I wake up at 3.30 in the morning, that is not the first thought I have. (laughs) It's like, you know, I roll back over and usually go back to sleep. Now, how do you not fall asleep? I allow myself to do that. Okay. It's no, there's no worries about it, but I don't, I don't feel the need to intentionally get up and go somewhere or to go sit, you know, in a particular pose or to run through, you know, 50,000 recitations of the name of God or saying the rosary a hundred times or whatever. You know, there's, there's, and those are fine practices. I've got no problem with those, but they're just simply not my practice. My practice is to find my way back to spirit 
you know, to, to go back and feel myself, you know, embraced by the loving arms of, of spirit and uh, go back into a state of deep, deep healing rest until it's time to get up for the day. So now we're talking about the hunt are the thousand ways. Yes. Exactly. Well, that's great. Well, I look forward to reading The Practice of Awakening, and this is now on the second or third book. This is my third inspirational work. The first inspirational work is a, was an inspirational message, a 45-minute spoken word message um, on, a, on a musical soundtrack, on a background music soundtrack that I put out in 2005. That was, by the way, the first path that I discovered which worked every time. You know, for years, you know, 40 years, I wanted to find something that I could depend upon, some way to, to get back into spirit, to relieve my tension and, and come into this state of, of bliss or relaxation. And I, and I found one. I was blessed with one in 2005, and that's called, and I published it. It meant so much to me that I knew that I had to share it with the world. So I got a collaborator and we created the music soundtrack and I went into a studio and you know spent the thousands of dollars it takes to do it right and produced this this inspirational message which was my primary my primary um, meditation for over two years and then and it was then other messages and other paths and the others of these thousand ways started sure. coming up to me other poems and other other songs started coming up until I, until I started getting a collection of them. So I published The Practice of Awakening in 2010, and that was a collection of this, this most intimate writings, these, these inner journals that were ways back to spirit for me. And then here in 2013, um, I'm releasing The Practice of Awakening to The First Light of Joy. The First Light of Joy the name of one of my favorite uh, messages in that book. And essentially, that first light of joy is a message of, of how wonderful it feels in the morning whenever I first remember joy and I first taste of joy again. And I, and I just you know, allow that feeling of joyfulness and amusement and cheerfulness and happiness and lightheartedness you know, to once again be present in my spirit and, um, and how wonderful it is to be able to share that with the world. So that's just, just the name of one of the messages, one of the 160 messages that are in the practice of awakening too. I can't wait to read it. I love the name. I mean, what, that just fills me with such a sense of peace and I smile just when you said it. So it's already yeah. working. This is excellent. Well, I look forward to reading that as well. Now, the 45-minute audio, that was the first one. Can we find uh -huh. this on your website? You can find that at, uh, I, it's at paulhoyt.com, which is my primary website. It also has its own website called Remember the Spirit. So rememberthespirit.com or paulhoyt.com. Perfect. You and can find yeah. We'll go ahead and put all these links directly on your profile page at Inspire Me Today, Paul only because many of our community members listen to this MP3, this recording, while sure. they're driving or walking through the woods or exercising or whatever. And that way they know they don't have to write it down. Just come on back to inspiremetoday.com, go to the search luminary box, put in Paul Hoyt, H-O-Y-T, Hoyt, and 
all the links will be there, not only to his profile and all the um, other links that he just shared with you, but also to his today's brilliance, which is what initially made me want to talk to you in the first place, Paul. <laughs> Brilliant well, writing. Great writing. It is. Well, I am so I am so grateful to you for all the insights that you've shared with our listeners today. And I know, Paul, that you have already said some of these things, but if you were to summarize and wrap up your greatest wisdom in a paragraph or two, what have you learned that you'd want to pass on to others right here, right now? I'd share one of my favorite poems. Um, this poem came to me after watching an interview with Eckhart Tolle. And it, somebody had said, you know, what's it like to be you? How glorious is it to be connected to spirit and be in that state of consciousness? And he said, you know, it's really not about me. I just kind of get out of the way and allow the energy and the wisdom of spirit to flow through me. So I wrote this, this little book, not this, this little poem, excuse me. It's not about me or the things that I do. I just get out of the way, and spirit comes through. It's really quite simple, and it always is true. I let go of my fear, and spirit comes through. My thoughts are enticing, but they limit my view. So I quiet my mind, and spirit comes through. As it has been for me, so it can be for you. Just step to one side, and let spirit come through. Wow. I like that very much. Thank you for sharing that. I have goosebumps. Just sitting here, I was sitting here looking out at the woods in the fall foliage, listening to you read those words was quite beautiful. Thank you. With everything you that you've already done and all that you have on your plate right now, Paul, if you had just one more thing that you could either accomplish or experience in your lifetime, what would that be? It's um, spread my message to as many people as I can to let them know that there are a thousand lessons and with every lesson, their life can be a more meaningful, beautiful, wonderful experience, that there are a thousand teachers. Let, I, I'm honored to possibly be one of them, but they are everywhere. Go find your teachers, the people that speak to your heart and help you gain your wisdom and walk your path. And find a thousand ways. Find a thousand ways to shift your energy right now and get back to being the person that you want to be, to being the person that you are when you're at your highest and the most connected to find that beautiful state of being and then do it over and over and over again. Practice your awakening. Practice your awakening until your awakening becomes second nature to you and you can shift back into spirit in a, in a moment, in a heartbeat, and stay there almost forever. Beautiful. Thank you again for being with us. Again, Paul Hoyt was our guest today, our special inspirational luminary. And Paul, I can't wait to read the book. Can't wait to read more and hear more about what you are up to. We're here to help you spread the message for your new book and let people find a way to connect with you. You just let us know if you need anything else. Thank you, Gail. I'm blessed. Well, we greatly appreciate it. To our community. You guys rock. You come each and every day and you listen to us here at the site and we greatly appreciate it. We know that we wouldn't be here but for you. So thank you again. And remember, come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember, it's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you'll realize you've had wings all along.
We love you. We're here for you. We'll see you again tomorrow. And thanks again for stopping by. Let's go.